you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Very excited today. We have a special guest, somebody that I can relate to tremendously because he's got that background in the restaurant industry, which is pretty cool. You know, I can definitely relate waiting tables, busting them, starting out, and being a waiter part-time, full-time in the past, making... I think at my top dollar, I was making probably like anywhere from like 40 to 60,000 a year, which in San Diego is for the, I guess, waiting, you know, at a basic restaurant, not like a high end or anything. It's, it's not bad, but, but when you're in a big city like San Diego, it still doesn't really necessarily, you know, fulfill all the bills that can come up. So, and it's definitely not going to get to that financial freedom to say the least. So this guy has literally been able to transfer from waiting tables and really set himself up for success by going all into real estate investing. And first, you know, couple horror experiences in the beginning, almost talked himself out of doing it again, which is cool because he didn't give up. And now he's got a deal coming in every single month, hitting six figures for real estate investing at this point. And it's only going to grow from there. So I'm excited to have this guy on. As always, reach out to him. Let us know if you have any questions. And make sure you hit that subscribe button for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Leave a review. Let us know what you guys think about it. But without further ado, Michael, what's going on, brother? Appreciate you coming on. Dude, what's up? I'm so happy to be here. Can't wait to talk a little bit about my story and just add value to your audience. I can't wait. Yeah, bro. I appreciate you. We just got done doing a podcast episode on yours just about a a week or so ago. For anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, or what you do. Do you mind just diving into your situation, where you're at, what your podcast is and, and so forth? Yeah, guys. So my name is Michael Tucker, like Brandon says, and thank you so much for coming on our podcast. I run a podcast as well for real estate investing. It's called the Real Estate Success Strategies Podcast. And Brandon was on talking about how to use credit and it was just amazing. But you know, I got into real estate a couple of years ago. It's been life changing. And now um, we run a, an investment group called Tucker Investment Group. And uh, we flip houses every month and we're buying rentals now as well. And it wasn't always like that, but right now I love speaking. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm in my element right now. So I love speaking. My wife and I, uh, she actually works full-time, but she helps me out some as well. So full-time investor now, just transferred over to being a full-time investor a few months back, but also an author as well. I, I love pouring out value and helping people get from one position in their life to the next. And that's my passion. So that's a little bit about me. The rest is in the story. So I hope we can dive into that a little further here in just a little bit. Yeah, man. So what's the name of the book and where are you located, by the way? Yeah, I'm located in South Central Kentucky. So I'm way out in the woods down here in Kentucky, a little different than California. Yeah, it's cool. You know, it's a lot different. Like people, they ask, you know, well, how's the market down there in Kentucky? I'm telling you, man, it's different. It's not a big city where I'm at. And there's a lot less competition where I'm at. So it's cool. Like we get to create a lot of more relationships and our deals, you know, are just as good with less competition. So I love it down here. But the book we wrote, well, I wrote, 
at the end of the last year was called New You Resolution. So it was a five-step system that I created to help go out and set and achieve your goals. And it's a short little guide about how you can go out there. At the beginning of the year, you know, you're, you're so hyped up. You want to go and crush all your New Year's resolutions. And most of the times we fail. So that book goes into the thought process behind your goals and how you should set them up effectively to go out there and crush the year. So it can be used anytime throughout the year, but it's specifically towards, you know, the resolution time of the year, if that makes sense. Yeah, man. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think once we actually put out our book as well for Action Driven and really started showing people just the inner thinkings behind us, Mm. it's really been powerful to see the transformation and also just the ROI from it, seeing you know, actually impacting somebody's life for the better and not even fully realizing that was even a possibility. So kudos to you for putting it out there. A lot of people, they all want it for a long time, but don't actually take the actionable steps to do it. So that's awesome. Right. And that's what's kind of been different. Um, I've always grown up just for everybody listening to give you some context behind my life. I've always grown up very driven. I've always been very motivated. And that's, I don't say that out of pride. I say that out of, that's just who I am. I'm wired that way. So growing up, I've always went out and tried to achieve big things. You know, in high school, I've tried doing things that most people weren't. And that's just because I firmly believe we're supposed to stretch ourselves and go farther in life. We're supposed to go for the things we've always dreamed of. And so having that mentality growing up, I believe, has helped me in this time because that mentality helped me get through the tough times that you're about to hear in just a few moments when I felt like giving up in real estate and you know, I was financially depressed, relationally depressed in every area. So that mindset and everything we're talking about right now just helped me tremendously. I love it. So before we jump into your story and talk about the mindset and and how you basically transitioned over from waiting tables to real estate full-time investor at this point, let's dive into some facts to give some people exactly, you know, some context of how many deals you've done, what you're doing today, and maybe... I don't know, like what's your highest ROI or, or something just to motivate the people. I know at this point you've yeah. done about 15 or so deals. Roughly. Yeah, it's very hard to gauge because that's probably a bad thing. I probably need to track my a little bit more. But, you know, we started give you a little context behind it all. I started about two years ago, so I'm fairly new. Uh, just disclaimer, I'm not a professional. I'm not a guru that's going to tell you I know everything because I don't. But I got in two years ago and uh, started out with a few deals. And now we've probably done anywhere between 10 and 15 deals. We try to use private money as much as possible. So that helps increase our return on investment, you know, because our return on investment is literally nothing. But, you know, we'll make 20, 30 grand on a deal. You know, that's just about average right around there. So we try to pick out properties that don't need that much work. So it makes it a lot easier. So that was our last flip. Just give a little context between just the past few years. The last flip we just did literally listed it. Well, I should say bought it, renovated and listed it within the same, same week. So we try to find properties that really? we can go, yeah, we can go in really quick, just put new carpet, new paint real quick, turn around and resell it. So that's kind of my favorite properties, but yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's awesome. Same week, putting it right back on. That's awesome. Okay, cool. For anybody out there that doesn't know, let's dive a little bit into your story and, you know, just the mindset of making that transition because let's face it, a lot of us want the bigger and better things, but you know, that uncomfortableness of getting out of our, you know, day-to-day routine, uh, especially working in the restaurant industry or whatever it may be, it can be just the easy route of continuing that process, even if you're unhappy, you know? So how did you switch over and actually start chasing your dream? 
Well, so like I said, growing up, I've always been goal-driven and things like that. My father, my whole family has been really entrepreneurial. So they've always instilled that in me, like, hey, they've had businesses, things of that nature. But I found myself, my family owned a restaurant, found myself, you know, waiting tables, you know, bussing tables from an early age. I was bussing tables at 13 all the way up to, I guess that was, you know, just a few months back, which I'm trying to remember how old I am. So about till 22, you know, I was working in the restaurant industry. So, you know, for several years I was doing this, but I always knew there was more to life. I always knew that, hey, I need to go out there and do what's on my heart. And at times I didn't know what that was. I just knew I needed to go out there and do something more. So I found myself, (laughs) yeah, I just, I was like, there has to be more than just waiting on tables, busting tables. And don't get me wrong. I made pretty good money waiting on tables as well. Just a little disclaimer, like for our area, I made pretty good money and I was only working part-time in that because I'm in ministry as well. You know, I work part-time for my church and just have other things going on. But I always knew something was off. I know I wasn't supposed to be in that same place. And it's funny in that restaurant industry that my family owned, I would watch countless adults come in washing dishes in the back on the grill, just sweating and making nothing. And I just, I was like, I know I cannot end up like this. And I don't say that in a bad way. And I was like, I feel bad for these people. Like these are the people I want to help. The people that are back there slaving their life away at 60. Like I'm talking about 60, 70 years old. These people are back there, but they had no choice. So I wanted to do some of them. Some of them as well would have like, you know, a full family, you know, as a young yeah. kid growing up, you have less liabilities, less responsibilities, right. you know, so you can save that money uh, if, you, if you're good with money management, but some right. of these guys, it's like, they have bills, they have, you know, so they're slaving back, they're giving up all their time and not having really- Yeah, there was some people there that liked what they're doing and I'm not, I'm not bashing them or anything. Like if you're, yeah. you want to be in the restaurant industry, cool, but I've seen so many people that complained about it, but they never did anything. They complained about, oh, I'm tired of this, but they never took action. And I wanted to be the opposite. And there were some that literally they just, they were in positions where they couldn't leave that job. But I was always one of those people that said, okay, I'm going to have to do something. And so that put me on the pursuit to find something that would make me that dollar, right? I was chasing that dollar, which, you know, at times I found myself saying, why am I doing this? Like, this is stupid. But I tried literally everything and anything to make money. I'm going to give you a whole list, man. I, I was stock trading. I was starting e-commerce stores, drop shipping. I can't even remember, man. I, I had a kettle corn shop for a little while. You know, we, we were making, we were selling kettle corn wholesale, like selling it to gas stations. And the list, I could literally list like probably 10 to 15 things I've tried. And I found out one thing, sorry if I'm talking too much, but. No, no, you're good. I, I just love get it. passionate about this. The re, one thing I found was that I found myself trying all these things. And the reason why I was not succeeding was that I found myself not committing to each one. I thought I was committing, but in fact, I wasn't. I found myself starting something, going two, three months in, and then quitting because I thought it wasn't working. And I finally had that epiphany later on when I got in real estate that, hey, I need to commit to something. I don't remember where I read it at or where I heard it from, but I knew, hey, I'm going to need to commit longer than two or three months, okay? Because at the time, that's all I was doing. So I said, okay, listen, Next thing I try, I'm going to commit to, and I was in network marketing, so I didn't even mention that, but I was in network marketing, and one of my uplines, he was like, hey, man, uh, get into this. We'll, we'll build our business together. I was like, oh, I'm so pumped, and then six months later, he drops off the face of the earth. I'm like, dude, that's not what an upline's supposed to do, but yeah. he was a good, he's one of my best friends now, and he was then, but I just like, 
where did he go? He just dropped off the face of the earth. Well, found out that he was starting a real estate education business. He did real estate on the side and he called me up that six months later. I hadn't heard from him. He kind of just like vanished. And he said, Hey man, I hope you're doing well. I just want to let you know, I'm sorry. I've been absent, been starting this new real estate thing. I want to know if you want to be coached by me. I was like, trying everything anyways. I might as well try it. Right? So I got in and literally I want to let you guys know. And some of you guys probably know that are watching because probably my family's probably watching friends. I had no money when I got into real estate. My coach, David, David Hughes, he said, Hey, I can teach you how to get into real estate with no money or with little or no money out of pocket. And I said, shoot, that can't be right. But I said, you know what, if you say I can do it, I'm going to try it. And I decided that day that I was going to try this real estate, just try it. I was going to commit to it for, you know, at least a year, two years to see what happens. Cause everything else I was only committing for a couple months. So I said, let's see what happens. And you know, we kind of went from there. So it wasn't easy at first and I'll share a little bit about that in a minute, but um, you know, I just jumped in right from that moment. I love it, man. It's funny to see all the different areas because a lot of us, I mean, me included, have tried all those crazy things as well, right? And acknowledging that the instant gratification of, you know, instant success isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen right. within the first three months. So putting in the, the hard work for the long term. So that's awesome that you acknowledged it. And then secondly, that on this next venture that you're going after, you decided, hey, I'm going to give it at least one year to possibly two years instead of just a couple months to see where that takes me. So let's talk about your first couple deals, what that looked like, because I know that there was a lot of issues with some of them in the beginning and you almost quit, right? Yeah. So let's take the story a little farther. So I got in, was so pumped and I'm one of those people, like, I don't see risk. Like that's just me. Like I go all in and yeah. you know, that probably has hurt me sometimes, but I'll just go all in. So I started you know, getting this coaching program through my mentor and to sum it all up, I started getting really excited. I started getting very, I would say prideful. I started thinking, oh, I know everything about real estate. And uh, I admit that I jumped right in and I didn't listen to my mentor. So there's a little piece of advice for you guys. Please listen to your mentors and just take the advice to heart. Don't let emotion take over in real estate. Because if you let emotion run your life and run the deals that you're going through, you're going to fail like I did. Yeah. Um, so pretty much I ran off of emotion. I really liked these houses. It was my first deal. I wanted one so bad. And I bought, well, first property. It was a duplex. And it's still, I still own it today. We're owner financing it to a gentleman. But I bought that one. But at the same time, I went too fast and I, I got another property under contract because I, you know, I had that scarcity mindset. It's like, oh, I need another deal. This one's not going to, somebody else is going to get it. And needless to say, I bought one flip, too expensive, ended up taking longer to renovate than I thought. The renovation budget was more than I thought because I didn't listen to my mentor. And I just lost like 15000 on that deal. Okay. So like yeah. that like put me in the hole. And the other deal, which was a duplex, I had a private lender lined out for that one. And then something came up a few days before closing. He wasn't comfortable with closing on it. And I was stuck to closing this duplex with no Sorry. cash. So I was like, okay, what do I do now? So, so Sorry, I, Michael. The duplex. Right. You cut up there a second. Yeah. So basically you ended up, the private money lender, he ended up backing up. Uh, yeah, they ended up backing out closing. two or three, two or three days before closing. So I was stuck. I was like, shoot, what do I do now? So I went to the bank, said, hey, listen, I have really good credit and you guys trust me. That's the cool thing about building relationships, guys. 
build relationships and network with people in your community with get to know people in the banking industry, you know, with your banks. Yeah. yeah your I mean, I'm talking about from an early age. If you're watching this and you're a teenager, get that connection. Yep. I have plenty of stories where friends like the bank helped them out a lot, get their first deal. And that's what they did to me. They knew me, they trusted me and they gave me a hundred percent financing on my literally no money down on this first deal. Cause they trusted me. So that was a whole learning experience in itself. So, but, so the private money lender backed out a couple days before closing. You're basically sitting at the bank like, Hey, I, I was supposed to have this guy show up to pay for this. He backed out now, you know, I, I need the funds to close on it or else we're not closing bank. Can you help me out? Can you partner up with me? And they, yeah. they, they covered the whole thing. Yeah, they covered the whole thing because, I mean, we were so close to closing. They already had the documents signed up and ready. I think I actually pushed, I may have pushed back closing a few days just to try to figure something out. I can't really remember. But yeah, so I pretty much just went to him and said, hey, here's my situation. And I was transparent. And I was real. A yeah. lot of times, you you know, we get in those situations where we're stressed and we want to hide all of our emotions. We want to hide all, all the things that are going on. But listen, you never know where transparency and good yeah. communication can get you. Yeah, you don't want to run away from your problems. Always just, you know, be, ex you know, communication will always solve the problem. So I love that. And just like you mentioned, the relationships that you've been building over time at a very young age with the local banks, they know your character, they know your family, your, your reputation, and you're not going to put that on the line. So that's awesome how they went above and beyond to cover the full 100%. Yeah, it was so, amazing. And I, like, yeah, that was a blessing for sure. So that deal right there ended up being successful? Well, that one's a whole nother story in itself. So let me so let me fast forward this one. So we got that property, ended up losing a bunch of money. And you gotta imagine, we bought both of these properties at the same exact time, okay? So I had, I was brand new to real estate. Yeah. Like you don't, for me, I would not throw a brand new real estate investor into something in a situation like that. Like I tell people like whenever they get started, they're like, oh, I, I found a two, three deals. I'm like, listen, just focus on one. Sorry, there's plenty of deals out there. But so you got to imagine I was doing all of this at one time. So I was trying to manage a, a renovation on over here and a renovation over here to get a duplex. And it just was crazy. I had, remember, I had no money when I got into this. So I was using credit cards to fund the flip on this one property. But I thought the private lender was going to pay for the other one, you know, the, the duplex. So I was like bleeding cash. I was working as a server all the time. It just was horrible. And then fast forward, we get everything situated, right? I, I still own the, the flip property and I, I got the duplex to where it can be rented out. I'm like, okay, I can at least make some money with the duplex now because we were going to be cash flowing like $700 a month for a duplex is pretty good for us. So we stuck some tenants in there. And guess what happens? The roof starts leaking, right? So the roof starts leaking and I had a guy come out here. I'm not, I'm just going to go over this real quick because I don't want to talk about the whole situation. It's kind of private uh, information, but you know, I had a friend come out, needless say, or, and they had, they subcontracted the workout. They totally messed up my roof. The subcontractor did. And I promise you it was the worst situation I've probably ever been in my life. Two tenants had water pouring in on all their stuff just because they messed up on the roof, it started raining as they were putting the new roof on and they didn't cover the roof right. And so thousands of dollars in damage to my tenants, they could have sued me and I, this could have been way worse than it was. 
Yeah. But needless to say, the tenants all had to move out, found myself on the top of the roof, trying to tarp this up in the middle of the thunderstorms. Just was a horrible situation. So I lost money there too. And it just was like the whole world was falling apart. And this was over like a span of eight to 12 months. Eight to and 12 I just months. felt like, I don't know. I, I got to this point where I was like, maybe this isn't for me, right? I mean, maybe I don't need to be in this, this position. Cause I told myself I was going to give myself, you know, a year or two years. Yeah. And then after all this was happening, I was like, man, I just don't know. And my mom, she's probably watching this. I love her. Yeah, and she yeah, asked me one day, mom. she says, Michael, she said, Michael, are you really going to keep doing this real estate thing? Is like, is, are you sure you really like this? Cause she, she knew she could see through me. She knew I was getting depressed because we had no money. Literally, I can show you pictures. I took pictures because I knew one day we were going to be in a better position. Took pictures of our fridge. We only had like eggs and milk. Like that's about it. And butter or something like that. And so we were so financially depressed. Because we were financially depressed, that put strain on my wife and I, our relationship. You know, because I would come home grumpy, depressed. And she, you know, she didn't understand why. She wasn't in there doing everything with me. And so it just was spiritually I was getting depressed it was just a horrible time and my mom then asked me she was like are you sure you want to do this are you sure and I, that day I said yes I'm going to do it and that was the day I committed because I had accountability and you see that's the biggest part to our growth a lot of people leave out accountability will push you a lot farther than your own your own thoughts and your own willpower will it was that day when my mom said are you sure you want to do this and I'm glad she asked me that because that day I had a decision to make I had to decide, okay, am I going to do this or am I going to give up? And that day I chose, I'm going to make it regardless of what anybody says, whatever happens in my life. I'm going to push past this little situation that's happening and I'm going to win. And that's exactly what we did. It took some time, but we pushed forward and now we're on the brighter side. Michael, bro, your situation is so similar to mine. It's like nerve wracking just to think about <laughs> just because I'm like, man, I... I can definitely feel your pain. On my first deals, I ended up locking up two at the same time, closed on one, and then exactly two months later, finally closed on the second one. Oh, wow. And they both needed a remodel. One was a single family house, the other was a triplex. It came with one tenant, had to remodel both, put it all on credit cards, got screwed over on the first deal. Bang. You know, with five different contractors, instead of two months, it took a year and two months, like, a bunch of crazy nonsense and it's awesome that you know the stress that comes from that and the basically just pushing through like the perseverance that you you went and overcame it's awesome that your mom asked you those questions and something inside like just switched it up a little bit you know made you really forced yeah. to go all in and switch switch the mindset and the the attitude behind it to make it succeed so yeah and i mean like i don't regret that time like yeah do like do I look back at that time and I'm like, dang, I wish it would have been better. Yeah, I wish it would have went a lot easier. But sure. I learned so much from that, and like that's why I tell people like just don't be afraid, jump all in. And, you know, you want to learn from the mistakes of others, and yeah. you want to like listen to your mentors, but don't be afraid to take that first step because if I wouldn't have done that, I would not be where I'm at today. You know, I could have been a little bit smarter. I'm gonna, I need to admit that, but I'm just letting you guys know like take that first step in real estate. Like some of you guys are like, well. Whenever I'm 30 or 40, I'll get my first property. And most of the times you're saying that because you're scared to do it now. You're yeah. insecure. And so listen, you can have whatever is on your mind, those dreams for retirement or whatever. You can have that now. Just take stepping out. 
So with those first couple of deals, were you able to build value in it to be able to do a cash out refi or is it kind of just set up for the long run now? Yeah. So that first deal I sold finally, the, the flip I sold, I lost okay. money on that one. And okay. the other property, needless to say, after the roof thing, there was a bunch of damage needing done. I found another investor that wanted it because at the time I didn't have the money for it, that renovation. Yeah. So yeah. I just said, hey, how about you owner finance it from me? So I'm making a tiny bit off of that. Um, nothing I can do a cash out refinance or anything like that. Um, okay. I probably could, but it, it wouldn't be worth it. Um, yeah. Just the amount of renovation it needs. So he's taking that over. And but yeah, that's a cool thing. And I noticed from those deals, I learned the power of buying right. Making sure you buy each property with multiple exit strategies. Because yeah. uh, whenever I first got started, I didn't think of that. No, it's so good. I love it. So now... At this point, you got a deal coming in each month. Your strategy is typically doing the fix and flip, and then you're just putting it right back on the market. Let's talk about lead generation right now. You know, where are you typically getting your leads? Well, I'm glad you asked that because like I said, my town is very small. So I invest in a place that, shoot, I don't even know how small it is, but it's, it's a pretty small town. And so I like it that way. We also do small wholesale deals in another bigger city, but all of our lead generation comes from Facebook. Facebook, and right now we're, we've started using bandit signs and bandit signs are killing it for us in this small town because there's no other bandit signs out. There's no other competition. And so people are seeing these signs and calling. We haven't got a deal yet. I'm just, disclaimer, yeah. we just started just actually a couple weeks ago. And, uh, but the we phone's got, blowing up. Oh yeah, the phone's blowing up. We got every, probably every week for the past couple weeks, we've been seeing at least three, four properties. So just nothing to lock up yet. But um, yeah, our biggest one though, I've found most of our flips since um, those two losses has been through Facebook, just getting in Facebook groups, uh, making posts, letting people know we're buying properties, Facebook marketplace. I feel like people undervalue the power of social media whenever it comes to finding leads in real estate. And that's where everybody's at, right? Yeah, it's so true. So you're putting ads out there, you're getting the natural recommendations, you're letting people know what you're looking for, and then you're getting some lead flow coming in from that. Um, yeah. And then you're checking out a couple deals per week. What's roughly the odds? Like, are you looking at 100 to get one deal type of thing? I mean, I know yours is a smaller area, less competition. I'm sure. Yeah, it's I mean, we, we try to vet the houses before, even, like, you know this, we try to vet the houses before even going out and looking at them. So I mean, if they're you know, if they're way off in numbers or, yeah. you know, something, we just don't even spend the time. So, I mean, we may go out and look at 10 properties to get okay. one, okay. which is, I feel like is really good. It um, is. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a rough average. It could be 15 or so, but we don't sure. like, usually if I'm going out to look at a property, I'm going to buy that place. Like I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to go contract it or at least try to. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't always happen like that, but we make an offer on every home we go see. And it's usually every 10 or so. So what does the due diligence process look like for you? Are you bringing out your contractor or are you more of like a handyman? Like, do you know the numbers yet? Well, it's cool because I've never, like before I got into real estate, just as a disclaimer, I did not know anything about construction, did yeah. not know any. I was literally, like my dad, he's all about the work smarter, not harder. So like, he's always like, he's like the guy that just hires everything out. And so that's kind of what I adapted and or adopted, I should say, as I was growing up. And so I knew nothing. Like I worked with my grandpa a little bit in the shop and things, but nothing like to build a house. And so like whenever we go, we start our due diligence, 
one, we, you know, we assess the property, right? We want to know the location and uh, the property condition. And just for everybody listening, just starting out, that takes time to build. If you were like me and you didn't have that knowledge, it's just going to take a little bit of time. And so for me, as I started out, right, the first deal, I thought that it was going to be, oh, this is only going to be like 5,000 in work. It ended up being like 10 or 15, but you learn that as the process. So we evaluate the property, you know, what repairs are needed. We try to ask all that before we go out and see the property, whether that's through messaging people or through calling, we try to get that, you know, what's the age of the roof? What's the age of the HVAC? Yeah. Or is the foundation okay? Like try to get pictures, like everything we can in that manner. Um, you know, make sure it's in a good location. Cause even in a small town, there's not locations we want to buy in. And so, you know, we make sure that's all good. And if the property, we ask them straight up, how much do you want for the property? And if it's, you know, fairly reasonable, if it's like somewhere we think, hey, we can get them down to what we need to be at, then we'll go out there and look at that property. So we don't take a contractor out there because I know pretty much what everything's going to cost now. I subcontract all the work out myself. We don't bring on any general contractors like that takes care of the whole role. Um, but if you're out there, you could do that. You could bring a contractor with you just getting started to help you build that knowledge of what things are going to cost. But because I've been in it for you know a couple of years now, I generally know what a house is going to renovate for. So just yeah. looking at pictures, I can just say, Hey, this is going to you know be 20 or 30,000 to renovate. And sometimes, you know, I'll show up and there's some stuff with the foundation. I don't know. So I do have to bring in a contractor. Yeah. That's the due diligence. I try not to make it as hard as a lot of people do. I try to make it super simple. Sure. Yeah. And, I, I and think that's, that's pretty basic. Yeah, I think that's super important because, I mean, you mentioned one thing right over the phone, you're asking the good qualifying questions, you know, seeing what the lifespan is of the roof, of the HVAC, of plumbing, you know, all these different things, because it does have a lifespan typically, you know, like a roof yeah. is roughly 20 years, 25 years, maybe. So, you know, we'll ask uh, them other things too, you know, we'll ask them like, you know, why do you want to sell? Like, cause sometimes yeah. like, you know, Facebook can be sketchy. Like some people just post in their mom's dad's house or something. And you know, they don't, your mom and dad doesn't know about it or something. You know, it's just yeah. weird. So I always actually like, Oh, so what makes you guys want to move? Or, you know, how fast do you want to sell the house? Just kind of gauge them before you go. Cause it makes it a lot easier. And the more information you have before you go out and look at the property, the better, because that means you can go out there into the field and uh, talk to those sellers more prepared and just with the right mindset you need to win the deal. Sure. Yeah. Asking, you know, Hey, is your name on title? <laughs> is, there, <laughs> right? is there anybody else on title as well? Like, are you the actual legal owner? Those are important questions. <laughs> and then checking in with the city to see, is there any liens against the property? Stuff like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. You don't want that to bite you in the butt. Cool, man. Well, I love that. So after you get these locked in, is each deal slightly different or are you trying to get as little down as possible and as, as long as possible to close just to give you some more grace period and so you can raise the funds or do extra due diligence or are you just all cash, no contingencies, jump in right away? Yeah, so we use a lot of our local banks. We found out a lot of our local banks give us really good rates and so yeah. I'm very grateful for that. And so because of that, we're not cash closing two weeks. We are, hey, listen, we'll close in 30 days or less, right? So we say, hey, we do get a, a loan, uh, a conventional loan through our bank. And so I let them that, know that up front. And so I don't rush anything. And I have our private lenders usually set up before we buy a deal. So I'll, you know, just for you guys out there, I keep building that private lending list. I'm actually doing that right now. I'm, I'm contacting people this month, like, hey, we have deals every month we come in contact with that we need private lenders for. 
would you be interested in partnering with us on some deals? So I always have those that are on deck and I constantly am communicating with them to know whether or not they can invest, right? Cause you don't want to get to the closing table and call John and John be like, Oh man, sorry, we just bought a house. I can't give you money. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so I'll constantly be communicating with them. But yeah, it's very simple. We just, I have friends that they bug me about this. I don't, we don't even put earnest money down, down here. Like it's, we just say, Hey, you know, we build so much trust before we don't need to. So we just say, Hey, we're going to close in 30 days. And then after that, we'll communicate with our private lenders and just say, Hey, listen, how much can you invest? Cause we have some that will just put down the down payment for us. Like they're just saying, Hey, I'll just put down the down payment for you. But we'll have some that will put more, but every deal is different. Yeah. And what, what is your typical buy? Like what, what's the range? As in price range? Yeah. It depends. Like we're closing on one tomorrow. It's a lake house. Um, they're right outside the city limits where we're, when we invest in and that one, you know, it's a hundred thousand dollars, right? So that one's kind of on the higher end from what we buy. We buy a lot of houses in the 30 to 60,000 range, usually around 50 ish. Right. And we'll fix it up, sell it for 125 or something like that. So, but this one will actually be the first one that we bought over a hundred to do this. And that's the cool thing about our market. I like it. You can buy cheaper houses, but uh, yeah. I know it's a lot different than San Diego, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, the numbers may be higher out here, but it's still the same thing. So it's like, right. you know, in Ohio, they're just zeros. Numbers, right? They're just zeros. Yeah, that's all it is. And, you know, pushing through that and acknowledging that it is just numbers, that's a lot of mindset, you know, to get past because some people, it's tough for them to look at the million dollar deals because, you know, they're thinking that it's just too far fetched. Yeah, I agree completely because whenever we first started looking at rentals, you know, we've seen, I've always wanted to get like apartments and things. I'm like, yeah, man, I cannot afford a million dollar rental or even like down here, you know, it'd be like, 300,000 or 500,000. Like we just made an offer on a $300,000 property today. And I'm just like, before I got into real estate, I could never imagine doing that. Like that was yeah. too much money. 300,000, I would never fathom it, you know? Yeah. So once I started realizing like, Hey, these are just numbers and there's people that do this all the time, you know, it just yep. takes you stepping out there and finding the people that have the money. Listen, it's, it's not as hard as you think. Yeah. It's one and the same. I love it. So what's your plan with this lake house? Yeah. So we're getting it. I shouldn't probably disclose all the numbers, but we're going to flip it. So we're going to buy it right around a hundred thousand. Okay. Put a little bit of work into it and we're hoping to sell for about 165 or so. Cool. Um, maybe a little bit more. The house next to it sold a little higher, but it had a boat slip and this one doesn't. So um, okay. we'll see though. I'll keep you updated on it. Yeah, man. I love that. I love that. And you know what I like about this one too? Uh-huh. We got it at a discount and it doesn't even need that much work, man. Like we're going to be in and out of this. Well, we'll, probably have it renovated if Lord willing contractors can show up and everything. It'll be like a week gig. So super pumped. Love it. it. Keep crushing it, brother. That's awesome. Okay. So funding these deals, you know, we talked a little bit about that as well, but you're basically just building out this private money list, reaching out to people, building the relationships, seeing if they have any extra money sitting around or in their 401k possibly that they're looking to invest with you guys. And then what does that look like? Are, are you tying these up for like 12 months or just for this particular deal for a week or a couple months? Yeah, usually, I mean, our private lenders, I'm going to be straight up. We've been dealing with a lot of family and friends right now because oh. that's all we've, that's all we've needed. And yeah. uh, j- just so everybody, a little disclaimer, like you're saying, oh, none of my family and friends have money. Listen, there's somebody around you that does. And that was my biggest belief whenever I first got started. I was like, oh, I can't do private lending because there's nobody. 
But listen, when you share your vision with other people, they'll get on board if they see you're passionate. And so we've been using a lot of our family and friends to fund our deals. And usually, you know, because there's that trust is always there, there, usually we'll say, hey, listen, we'll do this for a year, right? We'll assume that this is going to take a year and we'll just put this on a note for a year, but it's going to be a lot less. Like we're telling them, you know, we share the deal with them. We break it down. We use a software that breaks down, you know, how much they're going to make, how much we're going to make, things like that. It shows them the deal, the location, the scope of work. So usually we get financing for a year, knowing that it's only going to take a month or two to, to flip, hopefully. Love that. You just brought up software. That was my next question. I was going to ask about, you know, organization and overall your systems in place. What kind of techniques or software are you using? Definitely. So I, I, I'm a solopreneur. So everybody yeah. knows like I'm, I'm at this by myself. So I love it because you can go from waiting tables and get into real estate and do it flawlessly yeah. by yourself. It doesn't need cool, you baby. Don't have to have a team. You got Google Docs, you got Google Drive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so right now, all we do for uh, deal analysis, like if we're analyzing a deal, we use something called Deal Check. You can get it on your phone. Uh, I'll pull it up right here. It looks like this little blue app. You can get it on iPhone, Samsung, something like that. It's called Deal Check. And I have a friend, Daniel Clayman. He owns RehabValuator.com. You can get on there. But we use Deal Check a lot too because it's very simple to use. You put all in your numbers and they'll spit out how much you're going to make. So for analyzing, we use that, you know, even our private lenders, you know, showing them the scope of work and, you know, how much they're going to make and stuff. We use that as well. That and Rehab Valuator have that. So we use that. I'm trying to think of, shoot, there's another software we use. I can't even think of it. But that's that's the main ones we use because they're super simple, right? And yeah. so as of organization-wise, everything you said, all Google and yeah. uh, Excel and stuff, it's, it's pretty simple. We don't have anything too fancy down here. What's your longest uh, remodel? Like, and I'm talking as far as like scope of work, like when, if contractors showed up every day, which we know that doesn't always happen. We pray that, you know, starts changing and that does, but you know, I know you're trying to get in and out as soon as possible. Like most flippers, have you picked up any intensive type of jobs that needed, you know, a couple months? Yeah. Besides the ones we ultimately failed at, which I learned from it. So other than those, we have a fourplex right now that's taking a little longer. It's taking, you know, like I think around month three was hoping this fourplex that we have, it's hoping it was only going to take two months, but we're on three months now, right? It's going to probably take four to five months just because our contractors, but we're going to rent that one out. So it's not as big of a deal, right? We're not going to turn around and, uh, and the price points lower. So that and another flip we've done lasted about two, three months. So that's probably about the longest is right around three months, I would say. And then what are you typically, what's your average rehab spend that you're putting into it? Yeah, our our average rehab spend is around 25. Per door? Yeah, per door. That's just like if a regular flip, like we can just assume we're going to spend 20 or 30. We try to like the last flip we did, we only spent 2,000. This one that we're buying tomorrow, we should probably only put 10,000 in. But normally a rehab, we can assume is going to be twenty to 25000 That's just like if there's no foundation work needed, if there's nothing crazy, you know, if it needs everything, HVAC, roof, some foundation work, we're looking at thirty to forty. but yeah. um, that's not average. And then on the back end for the retail side, for actually selling it, how, how long are your properties staying on the market? Yeah, so we're in a very unique time. I think everywhere is kind of hot right now. I don't know about San Diego, but... Right now in Lexington, where we wholesale a few a year, nothing crazy, just a, a few yeah. um, like houses will stay on the market 
like a retail for like a day or less. Like I'm talking about like an hour, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, that's crazy to me. No, you can list a house and sell it in an hour. Like that's, that's amazing. Yeah. But where that's I amazing. invest, it's a little different. You know, we're in a smaller town, so it could take a few days right now. My last one obviously took about almost a week. We had multiple offers. We could have closed quickly, but we had multiple offers coming in. So it was probably five days, something like that. That's not a bad spot to be in, multiple offers. I love it. Right. Well, I was just talking to a friend earlier. I really try to focus more on delivering value for the buyers, the yeah. end buyers. So yeah, I know a property could probably sell for 130, 135. I'm yeah. going to give them, like, if I have my margins in there, I'm going to list it for 125. I know that's five grand out, but I want to sell quick. So I list, you know, right around 5,000 below what other houses are selling, just so I know, I hey, I can sell this quick and I'm not having to worry about extra holding cost and, you know, having to negotiate and things like that. So I'm not saying go out there and try to price them cheap because yeah. you're going to lose money if you do that. But I try to make sure I'm giving value there as well. I like that. So speaking of value, you know, when you brought up the lake house and the comp next door did have a boat slip. Are you trying to get your comps as similar, you know, obviously as the other ones, like would you potentially, if, if the numbers made sense, add a boat slip there? No, this is very unique because you can't do that. So the lake only allows a few boat slips. In, oh, okay. Well, actually I believe they stopped doing boat slips. So whoever had them or grandfathered in. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those things like, Hey, you got a boat dock and you're one of the only ones that do Right. So, so otherwise you would have, right. You know, <laughs> right. So you, you have to kind of look at those things as you're evaluating. You guys have to realize the worth of a boat slip. Like who cares? Right. Like, but you know, we're basing our comps on that house was a two one and ours is a uh, four, three. So four bedroom, three baths. So, but my realtor thinks that boat slips a, a big deal. So so we'll see. We may be able to sell it more. We'll experiment with it. Yeah, I love it. Well, keep us tuned in, man. Cool, brother. Any final thoughts to the listeners? And then after that, I just want to hear like what your future looks like. What, where do you see yourself going? Yeah, man. So final thoughts, guys, all I can say is commit to something, regardless yeah. if it's real estate or whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying to achieve, just commit to something. Because whenever you, yeah, whenever you commit to something, it takes your mindset and your, your belief to a whole new level. And so I really encourage you guys to do that. And like I said, it doesn't have to be real estate. It could be, you know, a photography business. It could be your, I don't know, maybe your multi-level marketing. Some, you know, you're doing something. I don't know. Yeah. Just be all in and be all invested and don't be afraid to invest in yourself. And um, that's something that I believe has paid off for me as well. And you could say this same thing, you know, investing in yourself continuously outside of your realm of work. So whenever I say that, I'm talking about going to training, going yeah. and don't be afraid to do that. You know, get outside of your comfort zone and spend a little money or spend a little time going to meeting new people and educating yourself because it pays off in the end. So good. And then where do you see yourself in the future? Yeah, you know, so we have a year for yourself so far, but like, you know, what is Yeah, what is well, we're setting like? big goals, man. I Like I have faith. We're going to hit 100 rental units. We're at just four right now, you know, so we just started buying rentals. So we're going to try to buy and we are going to buy 100 rental units by 2021, the end of 2021. Okay. So the end of next year, we're going to have a hundred rental units and I love traveling. So like I want to build my lifestyle around, you know, going out and traveling, you know, I'm in ministry and things like that. And yeah. uh, so we're hoping to do have that available, you know, by the end of 2021. 
And you know, that's a cool thing about real estate. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. I love real estate because you can create the kind of business you want, right? So you can create whether you want a rentals and you want to manage them all, or if you want to hire your own manager or you want to just do flips, it's crazy. I love it. And so that's kind of on the long vision of it. You know, we want to build that rental portfolio and eventually we're expanding to new markets. So I didn't mention we're actually expanding our operations and our flipping to another state here in about two or three months. So we're moving up to Indianapolis, Indiana, not moving, but we're taking and expanding there. So yeah, ultimately, you know, we want to be in like three markets next year and have that hundred rentals. Love it, man. I love it. Well, that's super exciting, brother. This is completely motivating and very inspiring to see where you've come from to where you're going and where you're at today. You know, God's definitely taken you not just this far to stay you know, stagnant right here. You're the type of person always pushing to that next level and have amazing goals ahead. So kudos to you. I greatly appreciate you taking the time. Anything that the listeners could do to give back to you, you just spend an hour with us. Anything that myself or the listeners could do to give back to you. Yeah, guys. So we actually just started a real estate community that I would love for you all to join. It's totally free to join. There's nothing you have to do to get in. Obviously, we want you to be engaged and be in there, you know, to add value to other people but it's called the Real Estate Success Group. I believe Brandon will probably put the link somewhere. You guys can go join that group and literally we add value and we give away free information about real estate every week. We come on and do trainings, bring on guests, and then plus you ultimately get to get in there and meet other investors that are newer and that wanna take their business to the next level. We have several people in there right now that are on their way to their first deal. You know, they're out there searching right now. And just really a cool place, especially if you're needing that motivation to take your real estate game farther. So join the real estate success group and uh, we'd love to have you. Awesome, man. I love it. Oh, also we have the podcast. I forgot about that. The real estate. Don't forget about the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, the podcast, right? And it's cool. You know, we started that. So little background behind the podcast. We started it a couple years back whenever I first started in real estate. I love speaking. So I said, you know what? I'm going to use this podcast to document my journey, right? And so... Obviously, I got depressed. I stopped doing it because I thought, you know, I'm going to keep doing this regardless, but I got depressed and quit doing it. But we brought it back about six months ago. And so every week, every Tuesday on the Real Estate Success Strategies podcast, we've been bringing in high level achievers. Brandon has been one of them. We've been bringing on people that are doing millions in real estate. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be listening to that and this podcast, right? Make sure you listen to every one of Brandon's, but also join ours because there's a lot of value in there. That's fire, man. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, there is. I got to check out an episode the other day and it's definitely very inspirational for you. You know, just getting, getting to hear other people's stories and, and you are having some high level people on there. So that's awesome. Any links, any, you know, how people can get a hold of you? Yeah, you guys, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at official Michael Tucker. Okay. So I'm official, right? No, Michael Tucker was taken. So I had to be official, <laughs> but uh, you can join in on there. Uh, just follow me. I believe I'm on Facebook, the same official Michael Tucker. Um, So just join me on there. Shoot me a message. I would love to connect with you. Cool, man. We're going to have all this in the show notes as well, but obviously you're definitely going to want to reach out to Michael. He's just a boss, you know, somebody that has the right mindset, going big places, and especially from what he's done in the past to where he's at today. It's awesome. So definitely connect with this man and check out his podcast as well as his private Facebook group. Tremendous amount of value in there. Something you can all get motivated, educated, and inspired to take action. So appreciate you guys all so much for tuning in. And as always, hit that subscribe button so you get the newest notification every single Monday. 
and leave a review. Let me know what you guys think about it. Actually, if you guys leave a review, send me a screenshot on social media. You can find me at brandonelliotinvestments.com. Otherwise, social media would be Instagram, Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott Investor. I will send you my book, Action Driven, absolutely free. Just send me a screenshot that you guys subscribe to the podcast and left a review. That would mean the world to us. Also, if you guys need anything related to credit, as far as getting your credit fixed, we have a do it for you service or creditrepairmobile.com you can check out. Otherwise, anything on the educational side, how to you know, get educated, fix your credit yourself, build up your credit 150 points in less than 30 days and boost up your credit, do a mass supply, get 10 plus credit cards in a couple days and then simply leverage it successfully to be able to make awesome returns, being a hard money lender with your credit and so forth. There's many different ways that can put your credit to work. So I'd love to teach you guys that. You can check that out at creditcounselelite.com. But we will see you guys next week on Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Appreciate you guys all so much. Michael, you're the man. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, Thanks, guys. See you later. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.